This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you got Ronald yet? What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a waterlogged Thursday in God's own Knoxville, Tennessee. Coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio just a couple miles away from Anderson Training Center, where the Tennessee football team did practice, practice number two of preseason camp. Got some work in this morning. Had to be indoors, not on the field there at Haslam Field, but indoors uh, there at the Anderson Training Center. Of course, it's nicely, newly air-conditioned, so it was the most comfortable indoor practice experience I can remember at Tennessee in a while. I don't know if anybody cares about that, but I know I liked it. I imagine everybody else on this podcast liked it, too. Um, because we got everybody on this one again. We're going to go uh, in order here that I see them on my screen. It's Ben McKee, Patrick Brown, and Ryan Callahan. And again, as always, that's just the the order that it's in there on Zoom and not a reflection of how I feel about any of you as human beings. What's up, guys? Howdy. How is everybody? Doing great. I'm good, Ryan. I'm doing good, Ryan. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm just interested in your well-being, that's all. Yeah, I mean, that's what we are. We're, we're a bunch of concerned guys here, really concerned about everyone's well-being at all times. And I hope y'all out there are doing well, too. I hope everything in your life is going the way you want it to go. hope everything is good. Uh, with Tennessee football so far, things seem pretty good so far in preseason camp. Again, as a reminder, as Philip Fulmer used to say, every single year without fail, and as Josh Heupel said, uh, himself on Tuesday, football is a game played in pads, and right now Tennessee has not even put on shells yet. That will be, I believe, Friday morning when the Vols put on shells. They've basically just been in jerseys, shorts, and helmets and cleats for the past couple of days. Um, but as far as we could tell, uh, no no major injuries, no, no major problems. The team physically looks pretty good. I imagine we'll talk about that quite a bit throughout this podcast because, again, until they really get out there and play – you know, you can't really go win a championship this time of year, but you could lose one. You could have a guy go down. You could have, you know, some 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 bad habits start to pop up. And so far, at least with what we've seen and with what we've heard, I, I think Tennessee's had a pretty decent start to camp as far as these things go. It's not a big deal because it's what you should do, but still, it's happened. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. I don't really have a ton of football takeaways uh, unfortunately, I, I know that's what the people are are, are here for, 
it, it's kind of still in that uh, phase of of being the new ice cream flavor of the month, so to speak, where where everybody's happy, everybody's positive, glass is half full. Uh, th- there aren't really any negatives to to discuss, and and I don't think we're being blind uh, to anything. They're 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 healthy right now. Uh, they're, they're in peak physical condition. Uh, we've raved all week in, in various forms of media the the job that Kurt Schmidt has done uh, over the offseason in the offseason strength and conditioning program. Uh, so th- things are going really, really well right now, as they should be. Th- this is what a competent football program is supposed to look like and, and how it is supposed to, to act on a day-to-day, on a day-to-day basis. So uh, my, my biggest football takeaways are, are just kind of uh, guys just looking really good from a, a f- f- physical standpoint. You know, Ramel Keaton looks good out there, Jacob Warren. I mean, we could go on and on and on. James Pierce needs to – or he looks like a million bucks and, and kind of needs to, to follow it up by some consistency day-to-day. Uh, but he looks like a million bucks. Arian Carter looks like a million bucks. They all look like a million bucks. I, I haven't laid eyes on a single player and, and thought – Man, he he just does not look good. And, and granted, there's 90 to 100 players out there, uh, including walk-ons. I, I it's hard to see everybody in 10 periods of practice that the media gets to see in in two days. So maybe there is somebody out there. One of you maybe are brave enough to to speak up and say who doesn't look good. But I haven't seen anybody out there who who doesn't look good physically. So uh, not a ton of football takeaways. My my main main takeaways are really just big picture takeaways in, in the sense of the strength and conditioning program and, and the physicality that everybody looks good uh, and, and just the maturity and, and the leadership of this team uh, stemming from the culture is, is in just, is in such a great place, right? We, we talked about it all off season long with guys like Joe Milton and uh, even newer guys like Ramel Keaton stepping up. Uh, we've talked about Aaron Beasley this week and guys on the defensive side of the ball. But but I think the latest resemblance of the culture being in, in a great place is is just listening uh, to the freshmen speak the last two days, Patrick. They, they've been ultra impressive, not, not only by how they look in pads and shirts and, and helmets out there on the football field, but just walking around the complex. They seem to have a confidence to them. Uh, they seem to be fitting in really well, and uh, they they also speak very highly of kind of one another and 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 the program itself. The the freshmen, the the newbies, have been very impressive. And I know that sounds like a simple takeaway, Patrick, but there there have been some freshmen to come in the last couple of years where, and this was more of a, a Jeremy Pruitt thing and probably a Butch Jones thing where it was like, no, that freshman's not going to talk this year. Let, let's wait until he's a junior or senior uh, and see if he if he can talk by then. But Josh Heupel, credit to him, he trots these guys out there, which is obviously good for their brand and, and good for recruiting. Um, but I also do think it's because these guys really carry themselves well. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, we we might complain from time to time and wish we got to see more. We all, we all wish we could watch an entire practice or all of them. You know, I mean, they're – Couple of you guys that are, that are here were there when Lane had all you know all practice. Yeah, anything you want, all, all day, every day for a while. <laughs> right. I mean, um, and, and I mean, there's some places in this league that I don't even know if they've gotten out of COVID 
they you know once everybody shut down practice because of covid they're like we're just gonna keep it this way yeah like yeah like vanderbilt keeps everything open because i'm not sure really what what how much it matters but But like like everybody else i think i don't know if alabama is like ever open to practice back up and uh you know but you know we we've we've meanwhile over here today we've talked to pretty much the entire freshman class right i mean yeah so that that's that that's you know, and, and you can glean things. Some people say, uh, you know, what are you going to learn? What are they going to say? They're not going to say anything. Um, you can still glean things from you know, if you ask the right questions. And mm-hmm. uh, to Ben's point, you ask all these these guys and they'll rattle off three or four older teammates that have been like, that guy's really helped me since I got here. Um, and that that's to the, to the culture because, um, you know, it'd be easier if you're an older guy to see this four-star guy coming in that everybody's excited about. And he's going to take my job or he's coming for my job. And yeah, well, he is, but. Uh, it's still on you and you are expected as an older player to sort of help that guy get his feet on the ground and figure things out and um, coach him up during, uh, you know, during uh, practices. You know, we've seen some of that this week. Uh, I think we mentioned Jalen McCullough was coaching up some guys on on the first day of practice. Um, you know, Khalifa Keith has said he's a running back. He said that, you know, he's asking the older guys for tips during drills and, and between reps and things like that. So, uh, and that's something that Josh Hopple points to a lot. He says a lot, you know, championship seasons start with, you know, championship leadership in the locker room. And I know that's kind of cliche, but, you know, you just all these cliches that sometimes get spouted. You should only have to look at what Tennessee did last season to say that eh, there's some credence to it. So um, the continuing of that is, is something that you can see, even if guys are running around in helmets and shorts. And, um, you know, that that's that was a good point that Ben had that, that we can see that just from being out there these first two days on, on the practice field. And, and one more thing, I, was, I, I not much to add to what you guys said, but I, one thing that I, I'm always look, interested in looking at the first day of fall camp is, you know, that's kind of the, your first look at the complete team, obviously. In spring practice, you sometimes can get an idea of what that team's going to look like. This year, for me, maybe the smallest gap ever between looking at the team we saw in spring practice and the team we saw at the start of preseason camp is it, it was just a reminder of how many early enrollees there were. Yeah. From this recruiting class, because there were so few newcomers to really have to look for on the first day of preseason camp. Now there were some guys injured and sitting out because of surgeries this spring, and and it was in that sense it was good to see the complete team and kind of get an updated idea of what what the depth looks like at a lot of positions. And we do have a pretty good feel for that now. It, it obviously struck me that, uh, that that Tennessee does have a, a really good depth. I think in the secondary, especially at cornerback, uh, compared to to recent years. You know, just a year and a half ago, they're out there at spring practice starting walk-ons in their, you know, faux spring game or whatever you want to call it that they had at the practice field. Um, and this year they've got five seniors ahead of a really talented group of freshmen at cornerback. So a lot of guys competing for for positions like that. And then I'm, I'm kind of reminded that they're not really deep at some at some positions like wide receiver. I think one, that's one we maybe haven't discussed enough that they're they're, they're short enough on scholarship bodies that a couple guys being banged up and limited a little bit to start camp has walk-ons working with the twos. You know that, So that's, even after spring practice, still a little bit of a concern depth-wise. Not a big deal, but one of those positions where if you have multiple injuries, it's, it's going to show up. And then at tight end, you know, only four scholarship bodies. So that's, that's kind of what I, I look for, big picture the first couple of days. And that's, that's what I noticed. This team is much deeper across the board, looks much more like an SEC team, if we've, as we've all kind of noted. But still some areas where you say man even with everybody here now the depth a little bit short at at least a couple of positions and obviously quarterback where there are only two scholarship bodies there 
Yeah. Yeah. Wide receiver, Ryan. I think uh, score wide's been a little bit limited. Um, yeah. I think, I think as Nathan Leacock has had class, I think. He's, yeah. He's going yep. to school uh, at this rate. Um, <laughs> and then Chaz Nimrod's been a little bit banged up too. And Nimrod's a guy's, he probably would have played more last season. He'd not been hurt. So uh, I don't think any of these things are major. There's, they're still managing some guys. Jordan Thomas at safety is a guy that, that had, I think, knee surgery after the spring. Um, they're still kind of monitoring him. There, there's some other guys that are getting, to use the NBA term, load managed um, early on. And that's, that's pretty simple, sim- uh, sensible. And it's, it's pretty common uh, from, you know, we've all been around enough times to, to see that kind of stuff go on at this stage of camp. Yeah, I think, excuse me, there have been a couple of things that I've noticed. With what Ryan said, I, I do think there's a lot of truth to that. There's a couple areas where a couple injuries and you're you're worried about things. But really, I, I mean, maybe the, it's just skewed because of how dire things have been at certain positions for Tennessee in recent years. None of it seems like something that you should be super concerned about like all the time because there have been a lot of areas the past few years where – there were just one or two injuries here or there where all of a sudden the entire thing, that whole house of cards is coming down. And and, and so I don't really get that vibe. In fact, the other day I, I, I was looking at – there was – we're not really supposed to say and we don't say what the coaches say to the players during practice because also it's just hilarious. But, you know, there's – they need to have their space. Uh, but uh, there's little things that, that we can say, I think. And the other day they were going through a drill, and at the end of it – Basically, one of the position coaches said kind of feverishly, like not panicked, but kind of feverishly, hey, did everybody get three reps? Did everybody get three reps? Because they were going through a position drill, and they're going quickly, and they got so many guys that they wanted to make sure everybody was able to put three reps on film during that period. And that is something that I don't think has been a concern at Tennessee in a while. It, you know, that, that kind of depth, that's what you should have. That's what you'd like to have every year. They haven't had that a lot recently. And I think that's the first thing I noticed. And the second is, you know, the difference between, like, the starters are the starters for a reason, and you see that. But now when you see, like, you know, some reps where there's twos on twos or threes on threes, like, that's still pretty good-looking competition. And and that's something that it's, you know, we got trained for a while to kind of not see that. Because at Tennessee for years, like, even when they were okay – it just there was a huge drop off there. There just was, and right now you're starting to see the thing built back up. Where you know, just a couple of years removed from being what 65 scholarships or so, they're back closer to where y- you want to be, and they they've been able to stack a few classes now, get some quality walk ons, do some 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 management things, and they've got what looks like a pretty deep team. Not not across the board, as Ryan mentioned. You know, quarterback. There's a couple areas tied in where you you know you'd like to have more guys for sure, um, but I think probably a lot of people would say that about quarterback because that's just how the position is these days. But kind of globally, taking back and taking the snapshot of the whole thing, there's just so many more guys out there, and you're just able to have so much more competition when you do that. And you can also, it's just so many little things, guys. Like you can, when they put pads on, it's not like they're going to be killing each other every day. But there will be, you know, maybe you're not quite as worried about doing a couple contact drills here and there because it's not like there's a list of seven or eight guys that if any of them get hurt, your whole thing is screwed. Like, they can go out there and play a little bit of football and actually get each other better. And if you're trying to track down Georgia and Alabama and and those types and not just looking behind you, 
but kind of looking above the, those programs that have been ahead of you and past them, if you want to do that, you got to get better. And you got to get better by practicing. So I think all those little things, they matter quite a bit. They don't have championship level depth. Like I don't I don't think that Correct. they have the depth to, to go win a championship this year, but they have the depth and the talent to compete for one, very similar to the way that they did last year. Uh, and that's okay. I, I think still in year three, I, I think because of the success the success last season, we forget that Josh Heupel's in year three and, and he took over an absolute disaster of a situation that I know nobody wants to to hear the the Butch Jones four year, five year, six year plan, but uh, we, the media, are allowed to talk about those things. Josh Heupel should not uh, act in that manner, and he has not at all to this point. Just look at the results on the football field. But, I mean, to, to truly win a, a championship, whether it's an SEC championship or, or go play for a natty, like, to me, that's a, a four- or five-year process. Unless you have uh, and, Cam Newton or something like right, that. Right, right, absolutely. And they had Hendon Hooker and a couple of other guys, and they, they didn't almost win the natty, but they almost put themselves in position to play for a natty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I was also going to add, Wes, that the system kind of speed this system speeds things up as, as well. Um, but – and I'm sure people are kind of – I'm sure there's a couple of people at least out there thinking like – why is this such a, a talking point this week that they look the way that they're supposed to look? And I get that, right? Like, because they're not playing football yet. Well, that, but also like, you know, Alabama and Georgia and A and M. That they're probably the, those media members probably aren't having this particular conversation uh, because that that those programs have been established. Tennessee has not been established. It's been a decade of dysfunction uh, of it not looking the way. Uh, that that it is supposed to. So I think it's refreshing uh, for the media to cover, for for fans to enjoy and watch the the Tennessee football program look the way the Tennessee football program is supposed to look. So uh, and, and ultimately at, at the end of the day, Patrick, and and this is why I have so much confidence that at some point Josh Heupel is going to be able to 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 play for a championship. Can he win a championship? I don't know. I, I I don't know. I think it's still too early to to tell. But I I know for a fact he's going to be in position, in my opinion, to compete for championships every single season. And the biggest reason I believe that is the culture. And I believe all these things that we are discussing on this podcast and and other media stuff that we have done this week. I think it speaks to just how great uh, of a culture that the Tennessee football program has right now. Yeah, and you know, I think the quarterback is uh, a, a big reason that that can expedite your, as Wes touched on, that can expedite expedite your your path back. And uh, I I think it's become clear, and and it and it's relevant to talk about the culture too, Ben, because of uh, some of the stuff we've seen about what was going on under the last staff, right? I mean, uh, we got we'll we'll give Adam Sparks from the Knoxville News and a shout out for all of the. Uh, thousands of pages Great. Of text man, messages his eyes have read. Gotta, his eyes have got to be blurry man but just just to see how things were under the previous staff to where they are now and and you know we kind of heard some of this when josh apple got here about you know he kind of asked the players what what do you guys need what do you think this program needs and accountability and uh, connection were two things that that were uh those those were the the words that he kept using even going back to his intro uh, connection makes sense because everybody that was the COVID year. So it was hard for everybody to be connected given that if you tested positive for COVID or knew somebody, you had to go yeah. sit in your room for 
10 to 14 days, depending on whatever the, uh, the protocols were at the time. But uh, the accountability was a big thing because clearly there, there wasn't much accountability. Now there's, you know, that that's the expectation and that's been established by uh, the veterans that have come through this program. And um, to, to know where you, where you are and where you're going, you have to appreciate where you've been. So to Ben's point about talking about, you know, there's been years where we've been gone to camp and we're like, this team does, this looks like a six and six kind of team. Now this looks like a, a team that can compete at the top in the SEC. And um, that, that shouldn't be ignored. Uh, if it becomes the norm under this staff, then we won't talk about it in the, in the coming preseasons. But um, to this point now, you, you know, you're watching guys run around in helmets and, and shoulder pads or well, not even shoulder pads yet. What else, you know, what else is there to, to really talk about? I don't know how many guys are going to be quote unquote, making a move up the depth chart yeah. um, <laughs> in two days in helmets and short. Now, now there, there is one maybe depth chart thing that's been interesting is, is the left tackle or the offensive tackles, but we can get to that later. But um, you know, no one's going to be shooting up the, the depth chart and things like that through two days. So, um, it, it's as Hypel said on what day was it? Tuesday. It's, it's a long month. It's a, it's a process. It's one day at a time. That's kind of how these coaches and players are wired. And, um, you know, early on, this is, you know, these are things that, that jump out and these are the things that are worth discussing. Cause it's, it's, it tells you where this program has been and how far it's come and, and potentially what they, uh, are on the precipice of, of doing and wanting to do, uh, you know, with the goals that they've established inside of those, uh, inside the complex. Well, and, and one other thing I saw with that depth, you know, when we did get to see our one day probably of, of preseason camp per usual of, of seeing more than just three periods at the beginning of practice with individual drills and, and stretching essentially um, and seeing that uh, that little bit, that one period of 11 on 11 work that we got to see, um, it, it showed you that, that kind of the, that's where you got to see what it looks like a little bit, at least all of the depth together. And they rotated a lot and all that, but you saw third team units and things like that with with talented freshmen. That that's what you want the depth to look like, and that's where I, I will be interested in seeing this. And I don't think this is something that, not saying this is going to be an issue for Tennessee, but it is going to be the first test of that culture that no doubt Josh Heupel and his staff have built. They are going to have freshmen, and more and more, this is going to happen year after year now as they continue to recruit well. Players who come in, young players who come in and think they're going to play right away. And so I will be interested in seeing if there are any issues that arise from, say, some of those talented freshmen who don't get a chance to maybe start or, or at least play a lot from day one. Uh, it'll at least be a test behind the scenes. Butch Jones's staff failed a lot of those tests. And frankly, that's where the, the culture was kind of undermined a little bit. If this staff can sidestep those potential landmines, I, I, they're going to be OK. But the, this will be, the, I think, starting this year and probably more in future years, they're going to have some tests of that from guys who come in thinking, hey, I'm as good as this guy. Why am I not playing? I was a big time prospect and you have to deal with those things behind the scenes. So that will be one test, kind of a subplot to this season, maybe that I'm interested in seeing if we, if we start to hear of any issues behind the scenes, but no doubt that culture is in a great spot and that depth chart looks much healthier. Um, and you can see it when the twos and threes are out there. Yeah. And Ryan, I, I think that's a great point because that, that was absolutely something that derailed the the butch jones program and, and ryan you obviously knew from covering recruiting and uh wes you, you saw it as well like th there were promises made to those guys in the recruiting process mm -hmm. and that's where you go wrong that's how you derail your program is when you promise 
Yeah. And you make promises in recruiting. Every staff does, but it's making the right promises. You can't promise that you're going to run this formation. You're going to give this guy this much time. Everything has to be earned. And and Ryan, that's a great point. But I would be very surprised, on the other hand, if that was an issue with this staff, because this staff doesn't do that. This staff yep. isn't telling Jalen Hurd, hey, after the Outback Bowl in 2015, hey, in 2016, I know you're thinking about transferring right now, but next season, I promise you, we'll run more of an eye formation that fits you better as a running back. And then, oh, once they get into the season, there's no eye formation being run. And then all of a sudden, Jalen Hurd's transferring. Like th- this staff isn't making promises about playing time and, and just promises in general that they can't keep. So, Wes, I think Ryan makes a great point, but that's another example of, of how the culture is so good. And yep. why I don't think that they'll stray away from it because they don't make promises throughout the recruiting process that they don't that they right. can't keep. Yeah. Well, they don't, they don't really make any promises in that regard, from what I understand. That most of the time, that it's usually presenting a guy with, "Hey, there are only this many players coming back at your position," and you sort of just show the player there's an opportunity, as opposed to saying, "We think you can come in and start." And usually that's enough. And it's still it, it's not yeah it's not making a promise, but there are still going to be some players probably at some point. Who who see that opportunity and don't and and don't understand why they're not in a in a better position? So yeah, I, I think they're going to be fine. But that I just did think that was something worth mentioning because it is something that is an issue for so many coaching staffs. I think this staff, as you said, though, been in a much better spot to negotiate that that, that kind of issue. Yeah, if I have twenty bucks to my name, I can't promise the three of y'all ten bucks each because I'm lying to somebody. I mean, that's just kind of how it is, right? Like I can't lie to Ryan, in in my opinion. That's what I would do. But I mean, I, I, I someone would have to be lied to, and it, it would be Ryan who sits there in his dark room where we don't know what's going on behind that behind that. I don't, I don't even want to think about what's going on in that to, room right to, now. To Ryan's to Ryan's point, though, I mean, that's something I've wondered about this freshman class. There's a lot of excitement about it. I think out outside the program and inside the program, but it, you kind of look at it, and you're like. How many of these guys are really going to play like big roles? And is that a bad thing? Like, uh, it may not be a bad thing to have a bunch of 23 and 22 year olds out there trying to win for you. Um, but then you got to keep all those guys happy. So that's the, the, that's the, the dilemma, I guess. And, you know, I'm writing this, been writing a story about Ethan Davis. He's a great example. He's a guy that looks like he's going to be a big time player, but he's got two 60 year guys in front of him. How many snaps is he legitimately going to get? When the game's on the line, like against Alabama, I think he's going to play a good bit. Just, I, I kind of do too. I don't too. think he has a choice. I think he's like the the one guy on on the team in terms of freshmen that doesn't have a choice of of playing early. Well, Nico I, too. I think Nico has to be whether yeah. or not he plays. He uh, a lot of these guys I think have to be legitimately like whether or not they do play, they're going to have to stay ready just because they're one turned ankle away from having right. to play. But I think Davis is going to play more than the Nico unless. Joe just completely pees down his leg or, or gets hurt. Like I, I, I honestly, in a weird way, I think Ethan Davis may be more important as a freshman than than Nico, just be, because again the the nature of that position currently on the roster. West, like Joe Milton should have a phenomenal year, assuming he stays healthy. Whereas the, this offense, you can tell that they want to mix in a third tight end. He's obviously not going to overtake McCollin Castles or, or Jacob Warren, but they need a third tight end in this offense. Yeah, I mean, I, just before we go to break here, I, I was before we hit record on this, I was doing a radio interview in Nashville, and they asked me that exact question. You know, who's some freshman that might play this season? And I said, well, other than a couple guys, if there's freshmen playing, it's because somebody got hurt or screwed up. 
I mean, that's kind of what it looks like right now. You, you don't want to assume what's going to happen or not happen. But, you know, Davis, I said Davis is probably going to play. I said, you know, Nico's definitely going to play. We'll see how much. Um, other than that, I was like, yeah, you, you, you know, maybe special teams some other ways. But Aaron Carter's going to play. Yeah, Aaron I mean, he Carter has to. Will play a lot. He has to. Caleb, Caleb Herring <laughs> will play some. Caleb I Herring's a good, good call. I didn't I think, mention him. That's I, a good one. I think David Hobbs will play on the defensive line, but we'll see how much. But yeah, it's a, it's about a, it's a handful. And then you know, the, the like a good example to me is the secondary. You brought in those three talented corners that were kind of sold on their opportunity to play. But you look at the depth chart now; it's probably going to be a lot of seniors at the top of that group. Probably at least four seniors, I would think, are going to make up the top two units uh, at that position if you were laying out a depth chart. So where does Jordan Matthews fit into the mix? He had an interception on the first day of practice in seven on seven work. You know. Uh, Ricky Gibson's really talented. So those guys, they're going to play on special teams. But beyond that, it's probably going to take some injuries or something changing. Yeah, and, it, and it's easy to make that pitch when you're, oh, you're behind a senior. He'll be gone. You just got to wait one year, even if, if, if you have to wait at all. Yeah, and then there's like, oh, no, wait, hold on the COVID rule. He, get, he can come back. Sorry, we forgot to tell you about that. Yeah, so we'll see. But the easiest way to fix that, guys, is to uh, win most of your games and win a lot of them by a lot of points. And you play hurry up tempo, you're going to get some possessions and some some games, and guys can get out there and play. So, well, uh, that's I will say that's one thing. It. That's one thing I want to see from this staff. And if I'm a Tennessee fan, I'm clamoring for this this year. Is I want to see them be more aggressive, getting backups into the game. I think that's something they haven't done well enough the past two years. I think this year, for this very reason, you've got to do that more. When you get a big lead, if you beat Virginia by 35 or something, and it's a, what a 28 point spread now already going into that game. If you if you win big in that game, it's a hot day in September, especially. You got to get some young guys in there, and you got to see who can help you at Florida two weeks later. I think that's a good point. Let's step away for just a second, guys. We're slightly overdue for a break here. We're going to step away, uh, pay some bills, uh, listen to some products, services, in-house ads, etc., then come back and conclude this conversation here on the Go Balls Twenty Four Seven Podcast. Hashtag ad. Money. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product services and in-house as you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Got the whole crew in the house right now. We'll go as I see them here on Zoom. I got I am Wes Rucker. We got Ben McKee, Patrick Brown, and Ryan Callahan all with us talking about Tennessee football here on this uh, rainy, rainy, rainy Thursday. We got a flood uh, advisory here in Knoxville, Tennessee. That just popped up on my screen here a minute ago. So, uh, you know, be careful driving home if you live in Knoxville this time of day. And I imagine across the entire state because if it's been raining here all day, probably been raining lots of other places too. So be careful out there. And if you're in North Carolina and all those places, it's coming your way. So hope your day's going all right. We got a lot to discuss. We've already discussed a lot, and we're going to discuss a lot more. But before we do that, just a quick reminder, request, please, please go in there, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening right there at GoVols247.com, love you. Nothing wrong with that. No wrong way to consume this podcast. What really helps us out, though, helps us out the most, go in there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon, anywhere in the world. You can cast the fine pod any reputable place you can find this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Do this for free, and we're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. No complaints. However, since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there, rate, review, and subscribe. And uh, since Ryan has given the raise hand function behind his mysteriously uh, dark screen over there, I think he's going to want to tell us about the promo. Ryan? I was just going to say, final hours of our uh, promo, too, on the website. So when uh, everybody out there that's not a member of the site, even if you are a member, you can use this if you're a monthly subscriber. Sign up by midnight Eastern time tonight, Thursday night. Uh, this deal ends literally in hours. Sign up for 75% off your first year on GoVols 24-7. It's one of our biggest sales of the year. It's only 48 hours long. We've been running it for the past day and a half already. So uh, sign up now. Take advantage of that. And, and obviously, at the start of preseason camp, there is no better time to join GoVols247.com to so take advantage of that. And, and Wes, we didn't talk much actual football football in, in terms of, of some observations that we've seen with the football moving through the air or, or being toted on, on the ground, guys trying to make tackles, because we really haven't seen a ton of that, especially defensive stuff, uh, mostly just individual drills on the defensive side of the ball and, and with offensive linemen and um, – but the, the tight ends, running backs, and quarterbacks, we, we have seen some routes on air. Yeah. And one thing that I wanted to mention in that first segment, Wes, was that Joe Milton, Nico Iamaliava, again, it's routes on air, but they they look good. Like I, I think if you if you brought a, a random person, like if you brought in an NFL person who doesn't really watch college football and you made him watch routes versus air, I bet you he would say I bet you he would be very impressed with Joe Milton, but I would also bet you that he would not think that Nico Iamaliava is a true freshman. Yeah, the- and there there was I was going to say there was one drill in particular where I, I mentioned to Patrick, and we we weren't able to take photo or video of this drill uh, in particular during uh, the first practice. But I, I thought there was one throw in particular Joe Milton made in, in team drills where he he kind of floated a pass across the middle of what, maybe a twenty yard 
uh, dig route or something like that. Um, th- threw it kind of over the over a defender to score it, white, and they made the catch. Uh, was it? Uh, I thought it was Thornton. Um, I, I thought it was. I, I could be remembering the wrong receiver, but regardless, it was a. It was, if it was a ball with some nice touch across the middle, and he yeah, made a great throw. I, I think the one it was was uh, Thornton was going up against McCullough, um, and McCullough is I, – I think he doesn't think there's referees at these things, so he's he's just grabbing <laughs> grabbing guys. We wonder why he gets PI, PIs in games. This is probably why. Um, but he and, – and, you know, if I was trying to guard Dante Thornton, I probably would just – Try to tackle him too, but yeah, Thor kind of fought through it, and then McCullough, as they were kind of, it was a deep crossing route, and so McCullough was able to stay in phase and was kind of undercutting it. So if it's thrown on the line, it's probably getting broken up. But to your point, Ryan, it was lofted over him, um, and, and Thornton kind of fell away and caught it. I think it was Thornton. I think that's what I, I you, wrote down on my notes. You, you, I believe you're right that it was Thornton, but one of those guys. But I in the do, slot. I do remember there, you. There's, there's like a foot's throw. worth of height between those two guys. By the way, I'm just. Yeah. Well, do you trust Ryan or do you trust me? <laughs> well, I don't know. Really I, I, at, at, at that at that time, I was watching uh, Rodney Garner yell at defensive linemen because I saw the three of y'all were all looking at routes on air. So I was like, oh well, I'm gonna go. I guess watch the big guys hit each other and get yelled at because well, we need to be over there too. And and squirrel's been limited, um, so so that's that. There's obviously that too, but yeah, that that I just thought that throw in particular, if Tennessee fans out there could have seen that throw, I think a lot of people would have been excited about that and thought that was another sign of kind of his development of of some additional touch that we didn't always see. And yet he still, has, at times, has, in team drills, has shown kind of the gun that you know can make make some of those quick slants possible, where you get a small window and fire it in there. He can still make those throws too. So yeah, and I, I think Nico's been pretty smooth. A missed throw here or there, just like we saw in the spring, but not as many, I don't think, the first two days as we saw on some days this spring. So I think even he's improved also so far if you're judging routes on air and things like that. But, yeah, I think those guys are off to a good start, and the offense has looked pretty smooth, as you would kind of think it might with all the fresh or all the veterans they have at most positions, and obviously that includes quarterback with Joe Milton. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing about Nico that at least I I don't want to say it's like shocked me, but it's certainly surprised a little bit, and it's definitely impressed me is in person watching how quickly he gets rid of the ball. Uh, that's something that, you know, for, for a guy who's what, you know, every bit of six six as a quarterback, you know, that's a, you know, sometimes those guys, it can take them a little bit longer to kind of load and throw the football that's a long motion. He really kind of, especially there's different kinds of throws he's got in his bag. Like he can really get rid of that thing quickly for a guy who's that size. And that's something that, I don't know if I'm going to say that it like shocked me, but in person there is at least once every day so far I've been like, hmm, he got rid of that thing quick. Like it, you notice it. It's it, it's impressive. It is. He, he's just really smooth and, and and really polished. You see why so many people thought so highly of him during the recruiting process, and, and why some considered him the best high school quarterback in the country for his class. Uh, and some thought that the only reason that he wasn't is because of the last name of the other quarterback that was considered the, the number one overall quarterback in the country. And, and I, I remember Jason Swain telling me, uh, I guess it was the summer after he committed, because he committed like in the springtime, if I remember correctly. And, and then that summer, uh, somebody that Swain talked to out on, on the West Coast, uh, who had also worked with Bryce Young, said that Nico throws as beautiful of a football as I've ever seen out here in the state of California 
as beautiful of, of a throw. That's that, that's as, quarterback. That's the quarterback state too, man. It's quarterback country out there, and, and he was putting Nico's ability to throw the football up there with with any of them, and said he was as impressive at that age as, as any of the quarterbacks that had that he had worked with or seen uh, in, in California up until that point. So. Uh, I certainly see what they mean, and again, it's just routes on air. But you you can you can tell a difference. Like, no disrespect to the quarterbacks under the Jeremy Pruitt era, but you kind of watch those those guys in, in routes on air, and, and there's a ton of footballs on the ground. You you see footballs on the ground at least these first two days because a, a walk on quarterback is is throwing it. Or a, are, are, a are are you are you are you sneezing on Gaston Moore? Is that what you're doing right now? No, because there's multiple walk-on oh, quarterbacks. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Ben. Um, no one throws like Gaston, Ben. Gaston. If you see a ball on the ground, it's it's usually not Nico or or Joe Milton's fault. Uh, and as as impressive as as the quarterbacks have been, Ryan, the receivers have been just as impressive. I I am so glad throughout the month of of July, I. I kept saying that I think Ramel Keaton is probably going to prove to be the most consistent receiver of the bunch. Everybody's talking about Dante Thornton and Brew McCoy and Squirrel White, and I get it. Those guys look really good too, but Ramel Keaton looks the best to me, and I, I am I really think he, he might be the most productive receiver. He may not have the highest ceiling when projecting him to the NFL or anything along those lines, but I, I think he's going to be most productive, and, and don't forget, Joe has always said that he he kind of has the best relationship with Ramel, and I believe Ramel has said that in the past as well. So, Be- best run blocking uh, wideout on the team too. So he's out there every oh, down. Yes. And well, talking would like Brew would like a word with, with that comment. Ramel, Ramel, even when he was a freshman and and was not that good of a player yet, and was not getting open a lot, wasn't catching a lot of passes. They were he was out there because it was like, hey, if Keaton's out there, you know they're running it because he's always getting a hat on a hat and he's doing his job. Yeah, but Ryan, like the receivers also look like a million bucks. And I think Ramel Keaton is probably Tennessee's most underrated receiver just because of how talented the room is. And, and he may not have the the flash of Brew McCoy and Dante Thornton. Uh, but I also think he may prove to be the most underrated receiver in the entire SEC. It, it, he might be. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know if it's that new number nine that he's wearing or if, if he's gotten that much quicker in the offseason. He, he looks smooth, though. He, he really does. I mean, again, it's routes on air for the most part. We did see a little bit of teamwork on uh, on Wednesday, but it's it's been it's been pretty impressive so far. So I, I'm with you. I'm uh, I, I would say stock rising on, on Ramel Keaton going into this season. And, and he had a good year last year. So I'm really interested in seeing how much he can continue to build on that. Drew McCoy, I think, looks like he's in, uh, and he's talked about this, but I think he looks like he's in better, better shape, better condition to to be able to to improve his speed. You know, maybe just a little bit this season, and and uh, and and help create some separation that I think he could certainly use to not have to make so many contested catches, which he can make. But he he certainly, I think, can uh, looks looks like he's in in really good shape. Probably the best he's been since he got to Tennessee. And then uh, Dante Thornton, you know, he's he's got to he's got to stay healthy, but. Uh, man, it's hard not to be excited about the potential there with the the size and speed combination he has. Uh, it, interesting you say that about the connection with Ramel Keaton, I, and I would agree, but uh, talking with Squirrel White on Tuesday, that's what was interesting to me is he 
he kind of thinks he has a, a great connection with Squirrel White. That's a sign of a, a, a good quarterback, a smart quarterback, you know, knowing how to build relationships with those guys. But, you know, Squirrel White kind of threw out that they're like, you know, Shaq and Kobe. And then it's like, no, more like Michael and Pippen. And so he's, you know, he, he thinks they, they've got a great connection and that their skill sets kind of align well. Joe can throw it a mile and Squirrel can outrun people down the field. So um, that, that's going to be really interesting. Who, who ends up being kind of the favorite target in this offense? It's a, it's a good problem to have, but they've got legitimately four guys that think they're going to catch a lot of balls this year. Only thing I would ding Ramel Keaton for is I think it should be against the rules. I think after you've played at least three years of college football, you should have to get an NCAA waiver to change your jersey number. Um, because if it's like one or two years and you were just waiting on an older guy to kind of get rid, you know, go on leave and then you can go get the number. Okay. I get that. No problem with that. But Ramel Keaton's been number 80 since he's been there, I think. And it just seems like he's, it's, it's like, dude, I don't know who, who's this number nine guy. What are you, what are you doing? When, when you make the catch that you did against Florida, you can do whatever the heck you but want. But what There's number was he wearing when he made that iconic catch? That's what people that's, are going to remember. That's a, that's a good point. Look, I, 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 I don't like the number change in either. Maybe he's just I mean, paying homage to Jimmy Calloway. Yeah. Well, I, I did. <laughs> that's I, did, a good I was point. very embarrassed. I, I will, I'll, I'm not ashamed to throw myself under the bus. I was very embarrassed when uh, I looked up on day one, practice one, and, and saw a receiver wearing number nine. And I said, I thought Jimmy Calloway was gone. Like, well, yeah, did he come back? I, what happened? Split second, I, and, and he's kind of slender like uh, like Jimmy Calloway. But uh, Patrick, to, to Ryan's point, that, that's a great note that, that he had on, on Squirrel White. And, and again, like Ryan said, speaks to – to the to the great leadership of Joe Milton, maybe he needs to go into to politics a, after football. Um, but I I do think it's cool. Like Joe and Ramel kind of have a very similar story in terms of Joe lost his job. Much and, different and personalities, though. And, and Ramel never really lost his job. But Ramel was a, a four star receiver coming from big time football in in the Atlanta area. Ryan was he a top one hundred player? He, he wasn't. He was top. I, I can't remember if he top was top two forty seven. I think he was. Yeah, mm-hmm. around two hundred ish maybe. But he was on. I mean, he was there at, at Marietta with uh, with a lot of those guys that got more attention, kind of in the class behind him, or, or or two classes behind him. So, or no, one class behind him. So yeah, he he was at a big time school and played with a lot of other good players, and he he almost got overlooked because of all the guys he played with. But he was one fifteen. Okay. Uh, even even higher than I remembered. Yep. So he he was practically. I mean, he highly ranked. And and then didn't really do anything for what two three years, uh, and, twenty catches in three years. Maybe so. Maybe right. don't judge guys after one or two years in their that, career. That is that is a good point. And you know there, there's <laughs> we've been talking about kind of Jalen McCullough and Kamal Haddon and Warren Burrell and kind of how those guys are are hot topics amongst fans. Uh, and again, I get that, but we have examples the last two years of guys who were kind of written off. Theo Jackson, Ramel Keaton, back-to-back years, we, we have lessons of let, let's not always write guys completely off. Uh, so that that is an interesting note for sure, Wes. But, Patrick, going back to the, the original point, I, I do think it's cool, like Joe and, and Ramel, different paths, but a, a similar path of losing starting job, not living up to expectations, uh, being the backup to the superstars last season and, and kind of being humbled, I guess, a little bit. I, I think that would be fair to say. And uh, just changing their their work ethic. One of my 
all-time favorite media availabilities, and, and I haven't gone through 40 years of it like Wes, but in my six mm-hmm. years, one of my favorite media availabilities is Ramel Keaton's last year when, when he admitted publicly, like, I wasn't doing what I needed to do. I wasn't working hard. How could I complain about my situation or transfer when I only had myself to blame? Like, that was a really mature stance to to take uh, privately, but then also to to kind of admit that publicly that that was very very impressive and and joe has kind of said similar things Uh, so i I do think it that they have that bond on the field because of their path to get to this season yeah well that's that applies to a a lot of guys ben i mean you you go back to hendon hooker jalen hyatt they all had sort of adversity stories even the uh the the group of seniors from from 2021 matthew butler theo jackson bayless jones they all sort of had gone through some crap some of it not of their own doing, some of it maybe of their own doing, um, and and kind of worked their way out through the other side. And uh, I'm looking at the receiver rankings from that class. Ke- Keaton was one spot behind Jamison Williams, mm-hmm. two spots behind David Bell, and two spots ahead of Traylon Burks. So uh, that takes you back. But um, but yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot of guys on this team that have those stories, and and you know we talk about these freshmen who are they going to, you know, are they going to play a lot? They're playing behind a lot of guys like this. And, and in Keaton's case, um, that, the, that, that culture of that room has been built, right? I mean, over the past two years under the staff, you go back to Bayless Jones, Cedric Tillman, those guys were just like really hard workers. Uh, it took Jalen Hyde a year to sort of figure it out, but then he, you know, Kelsey Pope tweeted the photo this week of Hyatt in there Sunday night after the Alabama game catching passes off the jugs and now we see him falling out at, at camp with the Giants and you're like I bet nobody at Tennessee is surprised he's doing that and there's probably nobody uh at Tennessee that, that would be surprised if Keaton goes out there I'm not saying he's gonna go out and win the Bolitnikoff but I mean if he goes out there and gets 700 800 yards and eight 10 touchdowns I mean it probably wouldn't be the the craziest thing and um you know Milton was very complimentary of, of Keaton the other day and um but I think he 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 likes all those guys he thinks they all have a good mentality and um, said that you know when you see one of them in here working, there's usually about three or four. So uh, Keaton's kind of maybe carried the the torch on from a couple of those guys that that he played with for the past two years and uh, sort of kept that thing going. And you know we talked about culture earlier in this podcast. That's that's a great example of it, is that you see guys work, you see them have success, you see them go get drafted, and it kind of makes you want to do the same if you're a young player. And then you guys come you know guys come in as as young guys and you show them this is what we do, this is how we do it, and then it just kind of keeps going on and on from there. Yeah, and don't I believe we go ahead, Ron. I was just gonna say I believe we discussed this on a previous podcast. Uh, I can't remember now if I'm if this was a uh, just a conversation I had to the side with someone, but a lot of people that were, spent time in the complex this summer talked about how every time they were there, Ramel Keaton was in there catching mm-hmm. balls on the jugs machine. It seemed like I think he put in a ton of work this offseason. A lot of guys on this team, you know, it's it's a contract year for them essentially. You know, they're playing for their NFL futures. Ramel Keaton clearly one of those, but. He is very motivated to to make the most of this opportunity, and and yeah, I, I didn't expect this podcast to turn into a Ramel Keaton love fest, but no, no doubt it's, it's probably uh, warranted to to talk about him and, and the improvements he seems to have made so far, and just uh, you know how, how big of a year this could be for him. Well, well, we'll be able to talk about a lot of other positions when they're actually putting on pads and hitting each other. Until then, we're kind of sure. talking about quarterbacks and receivers and DBs. But <laughs> yep. but when I think about that Tennessee receiver core, I I, I think I. It's sort of another reminder to to don't confuse volume for 
confidence, right? It's like people talk about like don't don't mistake, you know, activity for achievement. Like don't mistake like volume and noise for confidence because none of those guys maybe the younger guys will be different, but a lot of those guys, they're not super loud guys like Squirrel White, Ramel Keaton, like even Brew McCoy, like those guys, you almost kind of have to shove the recorder in their mouth when they're talking to get them to get sound out of it because you can't hear that kind of just talking like this, you know, we're just out there playing the game. And, you know, they're, they're not like these big, you know, think about receivers being like these, these loud, boisterous kind of mentality type guys. None of them are like that. They just kind of show up and play, and maybe maybe that's not such a bad thing. Everybody should be themselves. But you know, I think Milton said that when he and Keaton went to New York or whatever to ring the bell at the Stock Exchange and all that stuff for NASDAQ that this summer, that that he was like, hey, Ramel talks. Like He's like, he talked during the, 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 the trip up there. He talked when they were up there, and he's like, man, like look at you. What would you do with Ramel Keaton? You're out here talking and stuff? Like, what happened to you? So... Maybe guys just come out of their shell at different times, but none of those guys are real loud guys. They just kind of show up, kind of show up and get the job done. Anything else, guys, before we step out of here? Anything else that you've seen the past couple of days that we really need to mention? There's got to be at least a couple other little things. Ron, you've always got so, something. Not not for me. My, my last thought on the way out the door to Patrick's thought about Jalen Hyatt in Giants camp and, and having a different highlight every day on social media I just don't understand how that's possible, given the fact that he doesn't know how to run routes and uh, Tennessee's offense. It only has success in in college football because they go up tempo. That that doesn't make sense to me. That also reminds me. Sorry, you got me mid mid Gatorade drink there, but it reminds me of something that Milton said at SEC Media Days when when he said, you know, that when someone asked him what would be the biggest thing that you think surprises people that people don't know about this offense or about this hypo system, and he immediately said the fact that people don't think it gets you ready for the next level. He said, how many more guys, like, we got to get drafted? How many more guys we got to send, send there to the league? How many more, like, what do we got to do to, to make people think, like, hey, you know, like, a lot of other people are doing what Tennessee's doing. Like, NFL coaches have been asking Tennessee, what are you doing? Like, the guys who got drafted this season, when they went to go do their team visits, the offensive guys, just about everybody asked them, by the way, when y'all – put up like a gajillion points on that Nick Saban defense, one of the more talented guys, a guy who everybody wants to pick maybe near the top of the board of the draft. How did y'all do that? Like, how did y'all make them look like they couldn't get lined up and didn't know what they were doing? So, like, it's it's a different kind of system, but um, you look at football and the way it's being played now, a lot of this stuff is what stuff's Tennessee's doing, too. I mean, they're, Heupel didn't maybe invent this system. He got, took, kind of took this Browse stuff and – kind of put some different window dressing on it and made some adjustments to it and and it made it kind of his own thing but I mean Milton was like very adamant about that he he would he just immediately was like the fact that people are idiots and don't think that this is going to get you ready for the next level like he was really adamant about that uh, a few guys I wanted to make uh just quick notes on uh, uh Emmanuel Okoye at tight end is a really unique looking athlete uh, yeah. you're not going to see many guys like him um I I'm fascinated by uh, how he's going to develop over the next year or two. Uh, Alec Ablin with a pretty striking statement about him on Big Thursday time. saying he's got a chance to be maybe the most athletic guy to ever play the position. He didn't say at Tennessee. He said to ever play the position. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll, we'll see if he lives up quite to that, but it shows you what kind of ceiling they see in him. And, I, I've, and no been doubt, thinking he sh- I've been thinking he should be an edge guy, but I saw his hands and I'm yeah. like, oh, no wonder they put him on offense. Let him, let him envelop the football. It looks like he's well, playing yeah, with I mean, the junior size football. 
basically. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, put those hands with that with that leaping ability. I mean, what kind of catch radius are we talking about once he you know figures things out and gets comfortable enough making catches? It, it could be pretty freakish what, what he could do in the long run. So uh, Ethan Davis has stood out to me. I, I think the fact that we're talking about him the first two days of camp is pretty great news for Tennessee considering how much concern there was about his injury at the, uh, mm-hmm. at the end of spring practice. So for, for him to have come back this summer and – and to have picked up right where he left off, that's a great development for Tennessee. And as Ben said, I think he's going to have to play at least some this year and maybe quite a bit. We'll, we'll see how much he gets worked in there. But a lot of excitement about him. Uh, on defense, You know, we, we Patrick mentioned Gerald Mency working with the twos at left tackle on, on day one was kind of interesting. We'll see. I, if I had to guess, I think he's going to get work on both sides. They probably just got to cross-train him to get him ready because he is – I would imagine going to be the top backup to John Campbell at left tackle, even if he's also the starting right tackle. Mm-hmm. But that's still an interesting storyline to watch there. I, I was maybe seems motivational. Seems motivational to me, maybe could, on some level. Very well could be. Very well could be. I mean, he's got as much upside as anybody. But hey, Jeremiah Crawford started at the end of last season essentially at left tackle for a reason, and was kind of more consistent. Uh, I think uh, at the end of the year, especially. So it, it's a and legitimate he, competition. And he puked and used it as intimidation against yes. Alabama. Yes, great T-shirt. Now, have y'all seen legend. that? T- have y'all seen that T-shirt a, yet? The, yes, that NIL I was just shirt. About to mention that. That's a great shirt. Yes, uh, I think nothing too fancy. Yep. I saw us selling yep. those in, yep. in Knoxville. That's, so definitely, that is and always will be some legendary ish by Jeremiah Crawford. Yeah. Yes, um, never thought I'd see that on a T-shirt. That's that's pretty great. <laughs> uh, and the the most interesting thing maybe I saw with the lineup that I'm not sure if it's been discussed as much as as maybe Mincy so far. Jalen McCullough didn't get the first snap at, at, at safety with the with the ones. Now, Believe it when I see lot. it. Believe it when I see I it. I know. I know. And, I, and I'm with you in that same boat, but I'm just going to throw that out there because it at least suggests that Tennessee is trying to see if anyone can push Jalen McCullough enough. Or maybe, maybe they're preparing for a day where he might not be able to play because of a suspension or whatever the, the legal mm-hmm. situation is there. But at the very least... They seem to be keeping that door open to see if Andre Turrentine, who was the one that got the, the start or that first snap, I guess, in team periods uh, on, on Wednesday alongside Wesley Walker, if maybe he can push him, if Jordan Thomas, who's been banged up, can push him or, or someone. Christian Charles is there too, John Slaughter, the freshman. I don't know who, but they seem like they might want that door at least open a little more than we've seen it in past years. And that's that's at least an interesting storyline to note. I'm not sure it's going to result in anyone else earning that starting job going into the season, but... Uh, I, I certainly took notes that on the first day when they kind of uh, leaned toward the veterans getting the first snaps. You know, Arian Carter was back you know, with kind of the third pair at the start. Um, so they're, they're making guys earn it for the most part on day one that Jalen McCullough was not with the first group out there. Yeah, if you're Trey Smith, you line up with the with the, the first team like by your second day or whatever. But if you're somebody else, most everybody else, you know, you, you kind of got to go earn it. With Trey Smith, it was like I think for one day they had him as a backup or something, and they were like – Oh, no, let's, who are we kidding here? Just go on, go, go, go there, be the starting tackle. Like that's that's you, bro. But yeah, I mean, most guys, you you, you got to go make them earn it, right? You got to do that to reset things for this weekend. I think Tennessee will be in shells on Friday and Saturday. Uh, there will be a Friday uh, availability afterward. We'll we'll speak with um, with a couple players, obviously some some more of those newcomers, the young guys. Uh, we'll also speak with is it Brian Jean Marie? We're going to speak with on Friday. I believe, and then Saturday morning uh, they'll be in shells again for a morning practice. There will be no media availability after that, but we will have an analysis piece. We will have uh, photos, at least one, hopefully a couple photo galleries up, also some some video, some analysis, some other stuff. And then Sunday they're off, but we'll still have content. And then Monday, boom, it is full pads time. So uh, that that will be 
That will be fun. It'll be a big week. And, and, then, it, the, and then they're scrimmaging, what, next Thursday for the first major I was scrimmage? Say, first scrimmage, it sounds like next Thursday, so don't have to wait until next weekend. But yeah, that, that'll be here before you know it. So we'll, we'll, we should have some, you know, maybe some depth chart movement by at least coming out of that scrimmage. We'll, we'll see. We shall Wes, see. What's, what's, the, what's the name of the period for that ramping up process? A- acclimation we, period? Wrong. A- 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 acclimatization? There we go. <laughs> That's it. Acclimatization. It's so hard. That to seems say. like weather. I mean, just call it acclimation, right? It just seems like that should be. Is that is that is acclimation even a word? It it it, it might be acclimation period. I don't know. I always thought it was acclimatization period. Ben, what are you on your head at? It it is considered the acclimatization. I don't know why, but right. It maybe. Yeah, it's maybe they're just waiting for the climate. Yeah, they're waiting for. They're waiting this for the is right first time forecast. since they've come up with it that I have not heard it pronounced as acclimation period. So yeah, it's like it's like are they waiting for the weather to reach a certain point and then they're like okay, now it's now now it, it's at a good point where you can put pads on. I don't I don't know. We'll leave that to smart people. We we should bring Todd Howell over here and be like, "Hey, does that have anything to do with weather?" By the way, so we'll maybe we'll do that here on a future Go uh, Go Vols 24/7 podcast episode. But until then, uh guys, uh we'll see you soon and they'll be be back Monday unless there's no um unless there's anything major happens before then. Knock on wood, it won't happen. Tennessee basketball is going on this weekend. Uh so we'll be monitoring that on the website as well. The games in Italy against the Lithuanian Lithuanian 21 under national team, so you know that team's going to have some players cuz Lithuanians, those dudes can play basketball. So that'll be good stuff and we'll have all of it covered there. Zane Denz coming up for baseball tons and tons of stuff going on at goballs247.com and uh, we'll have all of it there on the site guys got anything else before we step out bye Wes bye Wes see you Wes there it is (laughs) there's that button and now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the goballs247 podcast we always say that but we always mean it thank you Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock. Got the checkerboard and the summit where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got and you get all of that 
for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats.